Today's lesson is found in the fourth chapter of Galatians, beginning at the first verse. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. This is the word of our Lord. Well, as we continue in these words of the Apostle Paul from God for us in the letter to Galatia, uh, we come this morning in chapter 4, and Paul continues hammering away at that same argument this promise of God for us. As we consider that, we find something interesting, a testimony that happens right here in these first few verses of chapter 4 that leads me to ask this question, do you still wish maybe it was as beautiful as this time of Epiphany is, that it was still Christmas season, right? Are, Are some of you secretly or maybe not so secretly like me grateful that some of our neighbors have still kept their lights up, right? Well, the good news is, as uh, author Peter Lang points out, when it comes to that here in Galatians chapter 4, we get Christmas in Galatians. As we hear, when the fullness of time has come, God's perfect timing, His Son born to a woman has come to us. God's perfect timing, His fullness of time, I liken to that to the position of the earth here in the solar system. A little closer to the sun and it would be too hot to sustain life. A little farther away, too cold. But just in God's creative order, just in the perfect position to give us life. And so God comes to us at just the right time in the fullness of time Maybe it was because of all those great Roman roads that would lead the gospel out to the known world. We don't know why God chose exactly that time, but we know it was his perfect timing for us then and us now. He comes to us incarnate, God with us. And so as Apostle Paul writes, As God speaks to us, He connects to those words that we heard last week in chapter 3, verses 28 and 29 that reminded us that uh, in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, or slave nor free, male and female. And He tells us that oneness that comes in Christ by reminding us of the promise that He gives us in Abraham of the teaching on what it means 
as we'll hear throughout this text, on what it means to be adopted. And he does that by coming incarnate at Christmas. And then finally we'll hear, as we hear in this reading, that we can call on his name. Zaba. And as he makes all of these connections for us, he lets us know, as one scholar will point out, that the status of Christians, both men and women, who have been adopted into God's family. And this is significant because in the Roman world, the understanding of adoption and the inheritance really just came through the Son. But Paul wants to point out that now it's for all people. God's adoption into his families for men and women now to enjoy all the privileges, all the obligations, and the inheritance as rights as children of God. Now, all of us are made in the image of God. But to be called children of God is something different, something special. It comes to us with this gift of inheritance. It's a kind of identity that can only be given, never earned. And it usually happens long before we ever knew we needed it. I mean, has there been a person in your life who has truly just shown up? Someone who's shown up at just the right time, in just the right moment, maybe in crisis, or maybe in celebration or a great moment? Maybe it's happened to you several times. Maybe, I get it, some of you are thinking, well, the list for me is short. Or maybe for some of us, we're grieving that the folks who were supposed to have shown up in our lives didn't. Whether in gratitude or grief, I get it. In my life, it was my bio dad who I uh, never knew. I longed for that depth of relationship, sometimes without even knowing it. Even if longing for it came in imperfect ways. One of the ways that God answered that longing was through my stepdad. And when I think of uh, someone showing up in my life that long before I ever knew I needed it, I think of this story. I've probably told it a thousand times, so you'll forgive me for telling it again. And that is this. When I was uh, a youth and I was at a monster truck rally. I said that right. Monster truck rally. And we were in the pit area. My dad my, uh, was sponsoring uh, one of the trucks. And I uh, came to the knowledge uh, real quickly that those monster trucks never move anywhere slowly. And we were walking around the pit, and the next thing I know, my feet are out in front of me, and I'm flying backwards as I see a truck uh, zooming by where I would have just been. Before I even knew I needed rescue, my dad grabbed me by the back of the shirt and I was flying backwards. My first sense of danger was already after I'd been rescued. This is what God does for us. At just the right time, in the fullness of his time. You see, that rescue was totally out of my power. 
I did nothing. In fact, I couldn't even be telling you this story if it wasn't for that, right? In Romans 5, the Word puts it like this, while we were yet sinners, while we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us. And the power, as Paul just keeps hammering away of that rescue here in Galatians, and in our day, and in our life, the power of that rescue is the one who acts before we even know we need it. This rescue depends on Jesus, who comes at just the right time, at the fullness of His time. And so I ask you this morning, today, whether you have walked with Jesus every day, and continue to do so, or whether you're here today wondering if uh, it's even worth it, to once again today to consider Jesus, to consider what He has done. And as you do, consider this from some of the experts who have pondered deeply and studied wisely, like Dr. Ronald Fung, who in examining this condition of adoption notes the status that comes to us as he writes the full status of sons. And he writes sons intentionally because of that first uh, understanding in that first century in the Roman world of adoption that the inheritance would come through the son. But now the Apostle Paul makes sure to let us know it comes for all those in Christ Jesus, men and women. Regardless of your social status, slave or free, or your race, Jew or Greek, this adoption that comes by the power of Jesus comes to all of us. Or as Dr. James Boyce, a professor of mine in seminary, writes, in considering this letter to Galatians, he says it does not hinge on doing certain things. But it hinges on being a hearer of the Gospel and the promise of God that we have become children of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This gift comes to us by the Rescuer. Whereas Baptist Brad Gray will write, all of Scripture, every last syllable of it, every last syllable of it is meant to drive us to consider Jesus, the one who comes to make us right by gifting us His righteousness. Indeed, the greatest Christmas gift of all. So then, why has the Apostle Paul then, as we've noted, kept hammering the same message over and over again in different ways in these four chapters of Galatians? Because this first century church who had only just received this gift a short time before had already forgot. And so do we. So do we. And because the church uh, through the ages forgets, he keeps hammering. And so do I. And so do you.
One of the reasons is, and we hear it in this text, is we sometimes uh, frequently just like the law or the gospel. We'll choose one that we like. Oh, I like the law. I can, I can keep that. I'm pretty good at it. Thank you very much. I'm a pretty good person. Right? And Paul keeps reminding us, under the law, you receive the curse of the law. Or then we think, well, I was made in the image of God, and I'm, I'm a pretty good person, and so, uh, that law business, not so much, but gospel, I like that side of the equation. And so I'll just lean in there. When we like just one, we end up just trying to save ourselves. And we fall short. But when we hear the full counsel of God, of law and gospel, we're reminded that we don't have the power, but Jesus does. Our rescuer does. And whether in the first century or the 21st, we need to be reminded of this truth. 500 years ago, it it happened there again. Easy for us to forget or try to go a different path. When the princes of Germany were articulating this biblical view of law and gospel in faith, given to us by the power of Christ Jesus in what would be known as the Augsburg Confession, a document we still uh, listen to today as it reflects God's word. The emperor at the time, Charles, argued... He argued back, for he so wanted the merit of our good works to count for something before God. And so as he tried to uh, refute their confession, he said, well, you know, human works assisted by grace, he and his theological servants tried to make the argument that it would somehow merit us before God. We keep trying to pick just one or the other instead of just trusting in what God has done. In response to that, one of Martin Luther's students and and colleagues, Melanchthon, responds with these wise words, terrified hearts are unable to find rest if they are supposed to think that they please God. Terrified hearts are unable to find rest if they are supposed to think that they please God on account of their own works or work. However, he'll go on to write, hearts only find rest in their terrors when they are convinced that we please God because of what He has promised and that God keeps His promise on account of His faithfulness, and not on account of our worthiness. His faithfulness, not our worthiness. And so if you've had trouble considering Jesus, maybe it's because you've wondered how it could ever be possible to please God. And we hear today that Jesus with His completed work on the cross and resurrection, has done that. 
Or maybe it's because you think it's just this idea of Christianity is too ethereal. Instead, though, it isn't. As we hear in today's text, it's not ethereal. It's incarnate. God with us. Present with us. Historic. At a real moment in time, in the, as this text says, in the fullness of time, in God's right timing. He comes to you and to me. And He speaks life by this promise. And He invites us to receive this great gift. And it doesn't stop there. He gets personal. He gets personal. He invites us to call Him Abba. Now this word Abba in Greek is notoriously difficult to translate because it's just this gut word. This gut call to, and we've tried to describe it as daddy or papa. But it's this intimate level that we can call on and cry out to God. Did you know that that's the same word that we use when we translate in the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, our Abba? God invites you as He has come in the fullness of time into your life to come to Him and even cry out to Him in that gut cry, Abba. Whether it's in the Lord's Prayer or in Romans chapter 8 when the cries of our hearts are too deep for words and the Holy Spirit brings those cries to our Father, He invites you to call on Him. I like how Luther wrote it in this prayer. He said, My Father, I'm in great trouble. And you seem so far away. But I know I am your child because you are my Father for Christ's sake. I am loved by you because of the Beloved. And so this one little word, Abba, surpasses them all. Surpasses the eloquence of even those like Cicero. God invites us to call on Him. So we get Christmas in Galatians. As Peter Langle writes, there's only one thing left for us to do. It's the same thing we do when we receive a Christmas gift. To smile and say thank you. Or as Martin Luther would put it, thank, praise, serve, and obey. This is most certainly true. But don't get the order wrong. Don't separate the law from the gospel. Let it, the whole counsel of God do his work among us. And in the paraphrase, the message, hear this promise again from Galatians chapter 4. But when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent His Son, born among us of a woman, born in the conditions, under the conditions of the law, so that He might redeem those of us who have been kidnapped by the law. Thus we have been set free to experience our rightful Heritage, our inheritance. 
You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as His own children because God sent the Son, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our lives, crying out, Papa, Father, Abba. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain to you? You are not a slave, but a child. And if you are a child, you are also an heir with complete access to the inheritance that God has for you. It has your name on it. It's the end of January, but this Christmas gift is for you. Consider Jesus and receive that gift again today. Amen.